It is a joy after three years to be back together in this way. It doesn't take long to be back together to realize what we had missed, to realize how kind the Lord is when we all get in the same place at the same time, and how the Spirit works in us. And I, on behalf of uh, Emma and I, thank God for you. We thank God for all the joy that we have in His presence because of you. Partnership is a rich and beautiful thing. And so how precious it is to take a weekend out once a year just to experience that again and remind ourselves there is so much more going on than just in my home or even in my church. The Lord is so much bigger than what we experience sometimes in our lives. And that's what I want to look at in this session. So if you could turn in your Bibles, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you're making notes this morning, I've called this message Together in Partnership. And we're going to be looking together at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 24. And this is the word. This is the word of the Lord. Let's read it together. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in every severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that he had started so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you. Who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well. So that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable. According to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and and you burdened, but that is a matter of fairness. Your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God, who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel, for, to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us. For the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. For take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of men. And with them we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. 
As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the, so give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. Let's pray and ask the Lord for his help. Lord, I do thank you for the privilege of gathering in this way. Lord, as we examine the point of being together in partnership this morning, Lord, I pray that you would do a wonderful work in our lives, that you would open the eyes of our heart to see what is actually taking place here and how grounded in your word it is. Lord, we want to be a people that don't just enjoy partnership because we think it is preferential nor pragmatic. We want to be a people that adore partnership because it is profoundly biblical. So Lord, open our eyes to your word this morning. And would it all be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. This year marks the 40th anniversary for Sovereign Grace Churches globally. Sovereign Grace Churches started in 1982 in the United States. And I got involved in Sovereign Grace in 1994. So it was 12 years old back then. And as soon as I started to interact with Sovereign Grace churches and see what they're about, one of the things that became really clear really quickly is that partnership, churches working together, is a really important value in our group of churches. See, for many, many years, Sovereign Grace churches have had things like celebrations and retreats, things like this where groups of churches are gathering across regions, across nations, and they're coming together to celebrate what the Lord has done in their lives, to enjoy the gift of partnership, to enjoy fellowship and care. This has been happening for many, many years. It's been happening for decades. In addition to that, there's always been pastors' conferences and small group leaders' conferences, moments where you can gather leaders from our different churches together to input into them and envision them and care for them and equip them for the different tasks that they're doing in their local churches. There's always been a pastors' college. Seven, many years ago, there was only one. Now there's seven around the world. And in two years' time, it's our estimate there'll be nine across the world. But the whole point of pastors' colleges is training men and equipping men for pastoral ministry, that they would be able to watch their life and doctrine more closely and be equipped to do that in their local context. Well, no one church runs that. That's churches working together and coming together and employing people together so that together these men are trained and deployed and equipped. On top of that, there has always in Sovereign Grace churches been a value of church planting. That's always a communal effort. And I thank the Lord for that reality being there in Sovereign Grace all these years. Because outside of that value, none of this would exist. I didn't just come here by myself, just on a whim. I was trained by Sovereign Grace, equipped by Sovereign Grace. I was in a Sovereign Grace church. And then Sovereign Grace churches globally gave Australia $250,000 to start Sovereign Grace Churches Australia and make it happen. It didn't just happen by itself. It was people that you will never know and never meet that gave sacrificially from all different places across the world that said, we're going to give into a pot so that we can plant churches in places we will never go. That value of partnership and planting and mission has always been there in our family of churches. And the question I want to seek to look at this morning and seek to answer is simply this. Why? Why has that been a value in Sovereign Grace Churches all this time? Why has it been so important to Sovereign Grace that it has always been emulated and wherever Sovereign Grace has gone in the world, the value of partnership has always been important? Is it just like a pragmatic thing? Understanding we're just better together. 
So because we're better together, kind of anecdotally, we'll give it a go, you know. Or is it just preference that we don't really like being by ourselves? So we really like to have friends. So we just gather together because it feels nice. Is it pragmatic? Is it preference? Why has sovereign grace always valued the gift of church partnerships? Well, the reason why sovereign grace has always valued the joyful reality of partnership is this. The reality that biblically defined joyful partnership is God's great plan for the church. It isn't just a preference or pragmatism. When you examine your Bible, you see there are no such thing as independent local churches. They're all interdependent. There's relationships between one another, relationships that are missional, relationships for support, relationships which are designed around fellowship. The reality of partnership in Sovereign Grace churches and in any other group of churches that decide to work together, it is based on the reality of God's great plan for the church. And that changes things. We're never going to be truly building Sovereign Grace Churches Australia into partnership if it's just on preference or pragmatism. We need to be rooted in God's word. And when you see it in God's word, you realize this is really, really important. You see, for us here in the West... It's true of us here in Australia. It's certainly true in the UK and in the United States. There is without doubt a growing tendency, as Brendan pointed out in his notices, there's a growing tendency for, among Christians for individuality and independence and autonomy. And we all feel that, don't we? How often do we meet somebody and you find out they're a Christian and you say, oh, great, where do you go to church? Oh, I don't. I don't. I don't really like church. What's that? You know, the, the Bible never has like lone Christians as Christians being joined and connected to a local church. But in the West, there's a growing desire for individuality and autonomy. It's just Jesus and me. I'm just doing my thing. And sadly, in reality, more often than not, there is a tendency for that same attitude in churches as well. That I just want to be us. We're going to be an independent church. It's just us. We're individual. We're totally and utterly autonomous. David Grove, the late missiologist, says it this way. He says, Westerners, and particularly North Americans, always seem to have a cultural bias toward promoting over-independency on the part of the churches they establish. Even when their churches actually belong to a larger fellowship of churches, the likelihood of those churches assuming an active role in the larger fellowship is not always great. It's true. There is a growing amount of just purely independent churches Independent churches don't exist in the Bible, but in our culture, they growingly happen. Just independent churches doing their thing. I submit to you, it's the air that we breathe. Insular church, independent, solitary, self-minded churches is the air that we breathe. But in the Bible, the Lord has so much more for us than that. Now, a little while ago, I was informed of a Peanuts cartoon. It's a Peanuts cartoon where Lucy demands that Linus change the TV channels, and she threatens him with her fist if he doesn't. It reminded me of a scene in our house regularly that happens between two of our unnamed children. <laughs> Linus says, well, what makes you think, Lucy, that you can walk right over here and just demand that I change the channel? At which point Lucy says, well, these five fingers, individually they are nothing. But when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. <laughs> Linus then says, okay, 
Which channel do you want? At which point he then looks at his own fingers and says, why can't you guys get organized like that? You know, he was realizing in that moment that one finger isn't a great threat, but when you curl them all together, it is a terrible thing to behold. And when you examine God's word and what he talks to us about partnership and the value of joining churches together, what you realize is any lone church is just a finger for Jesus. And it can do good things for the Lord, but to do great things for the Lord, terrible things, missional things, takes a fist. It takes churches working together for the glory of God. There is great power in partnership. And so it shouldn't surprise us that when we examine the New Testament, Partnership is always something that is highly valued and prized by the Lord. See, in the New Testament, there are no local churches just freelancing for Jesus. They're connected, they are committed. And when you examine the work of the Apostle Paul and the way he planted and built local churches, one of the values that he constantly seeked to build into those local churches was the glorious value of partnership and working together. For example, if you study the book of Acts, you see the cooperation of fellowship that the churches enjoyed there together. Here is a brief synopsis of the book of Acts. These local churches, they had traveling co-workers that consistently traveled together. There were reciprocal greetings, detailed updates to one another, generous gifts to one another, bonds of affection. They shared resources. They shared letters They had leaders in various churches deliberating matters together to figure things out. Congregations benefited from external accountability and instruction. Churches learned from each other's example. They gave up laborers to serve other churches, to better the mission. Churches prayed together and they consistently thanked God for each other, often by name. They're wonderfully interconnected. And when you examine the letters of the New Testament, you hear of the fruit of that all the time. You constantly hear a testifying of the special and irreplaceable value of what God places upon churches that partner together. New Testament scholar Eckhard Schnabel says this in the New Testament. He says, in the New Testament, partnership in the gospel is centrally connected to the progress of the gospel. What a statement. Partnership isn't just a peripheral extra. It is absolutely central to see the gospel going forward and other churches planted and built. Brian Chappell echoes that in his book, Why We Belong. He says, No one group can do all that is required for the advancement of the gospel. For the varieties of gifts that bless individual churches are broadened and their effectiveness is multiplied when churches connect their efforts. We value such connectivism both for what it promotes and for what it protects. By our support of one another, we provide more coordinated talent and resources for the promotion of the gospel than any single church could ever do. It's so true. We can do so much more together. And so it's so exciting to be back here three years on and now find one church has truly become two. I mean, we were led this morning by a band that last couple of years ago didn't exist, you know? And you think, praise God for the way he's building local churches. We're no longer one church here in Australia. We're two churches. Just recently, myself and Brendan and Riley went away, and we were just praying together for Sovereign Grace Churches Australia. And we really felt the Lord put on our heart the number 10. And so our desire is that by 2032, we'd be a group of 10 churches in this country. That's our aim. That's where we believe we're taking this. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're going after. We made a good start, too. It's taken 13 years to do that. But nevertheless, 
It's going to be exponential. But everything, we, everything that we're doing and everything we're planning is with a real desire to plant churches and have churches working together. Why? Well, because church is ultimately about seeing people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not just planting churches for numerical numbers. You're planting churches so that we have more bases from which to tell people about Jesus, to disciple the lot, to seek the lost, and then disciple the found so they can have a home and mature and be baptized and grow and turn again and keep building. And we really believe in partnership and we really believe in the reality that we're better together. We can do so much more when we link arms for the glory of God. And this is where I think 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is so helpful to us. Because right here in this chapter, Paul seeks to inspire us and envision us and compel us to this type of New Testament partnership. He's exhibited it all the way through, through the New Testament. But here in this chapter, it's like he takes us by the hand and says, listen, I want to give you three examples that really show you just how precious partnership can be. And so as verses 1 through 5, he gives us the beauty of partnership, which is all about the Macedonians and their example. Then in verse 9, he gives us the basis of partnership, which is the glorious example of Jesus Christ. And then in verses 10 through 24, he shows us the benefits of partnership, namely Titus and his co-workers. Three Bs. Now, I want you to understand those three Bs have not come from me. They are from my friend Jared Mellinger. I heard him preach on this topic some, some time ago. He came up with those titles. I cannot improve on those titles, so I'm lending them to you this day. But I think they're super helpful for us to get our head around how partnership works and what a blessing it can really be. So I want to dive into this for the remainder of our time. So number one, the beauty of partnership. And partnership is a beautiful thing. Now, by way of background to understanding this text, we need to understand something about the Corinthian church. And the reality is the Corinthian church, well, they weren't very good at partnership. They did do some things really well. They're actually quite a big church, if you examine the book of Corinth, the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, we read, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. They did have many things going to them. They were a good size. They were very blessed in the way they functioned and operated in gifts. They did some things well. But when it came to seeing anything beyond their walls, they really sucked. They were terrible. They didn't think about anybody else apart from this local church. Paul Barnett, in his commentary on 2 Corinthians, says the Corinthians were strong in a number of graces that were local and centered on themselves, but weak in those that were for the benefit of Christians and churches outside their walls. They were an insular church. They were a solitary church. They were a small-minded church. And they're a church that the Apostle Paul loves, and so he wants to address them. And so the first example he gives to them to try and motivate them in their partnership for having a vision beyond their walls, he gives them the example of the Macedonians. See, the Macedonians, the churches that are being mentioned here, would have included the church in Philippi that you'd be familiar with, the church in Thessalonica. And they are described and commended by Paul for their extraordinarily good example of partnership. See, whenever you encounter the Apostle Paul, he is always making his boast in the grace of God in other people's lives. And here he is making his boast in the grace of God that is in the Macedonians' lives to encourage the Corinthians in the way they are functioning. Look with me at verse 1. 
He says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. He wants them to understand something about a grace, a blessing, something that they're exhibiting, an evidence of grace in their life. What is this evidence of grace? Verse 2, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed and a wealth of generosity on their part. I mean, oh my goodness, talk of wonderful gospel partnership. This is a church that is profoundly poor. If there was ever a church on the planet that owed it to themselves to just think about themselves, to look inward, don't even think about anybody beyond themselves, it was surely the churches in Macedonia. But not so. They have begged Paul, we want to play our part. We want to give generously. The whole point was a collection that was being taken up for the persecuted church in Jerusalem. And this impoverished church, if you imagine like a church, small church in Liberia, they are begging sovereign grace, please let us join in. We want to be a part of this because we're a part of the family. And so we want to play our part. We want to enjoy rich partnership with our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And so they start to communicate with Paul. Verse 3. It says, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. I mean, you talk about a passion for partnership. These guys are, please, Paul, please let us play a part. We desperately want to give to our brothers and sisters in a place that we will never get to, but we're joined to them, we're connected to them. They're our brothers and sisters, they're our partners in the faith. And so they begged Paul. And Paul tells us in verse 5, And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. What he's saying there is these guys smashed it out of the park. And the way they gave, you wouldn't believe it. They gave, first of all, to their local church, as they're called to do by the Lord. They need to care for their own needs. But then they sought to sacrifice in so many different areas so that they could give beyond their walls. So that for the glory of God, other people could be blessed through their giving. See, Paul's conclusion then, when you examine the text, is not then, therefore, Corinth, you should give more. That's not his point. He says to them very explicitly in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14, For I'm not seeking what is yours, but you. He's telling them, I'm not going after your money. I'm not even that interested in your money. I'm after your heart. And I want you to see the importance and priority of partnership beyond your walls. Check out the Macedonians. They think about other churches. Corinth, I want you to do the same. Realize there is a beautiful thing in partnership that happens beyond your walls. You know, one of the curious things about the text is that Corinth is a big church. And the churches in Macedonia, churches like Philippi, are actually really small. And yet, who is influencing the most in this text? The small church. The church that probably thinks we can't make much of a difference are the ones that are indeed making a profound difference. I think that should be encouraging to us in Sovereign Grace Churches when right now we are small in Australia. And you think maybe we can't make much of a difference. According to this, you can. When churches partner together and seek to be a blessing to others, it makes a profound difference. The Lord uses that and fans it into flame. You know, one of the things that I love then about the New Testament is it talks about partnership is you really get to see not only what does partnership look like, but kind of the aroma of it. 
And I think that's what you see here. It's not partnership in, in Sovereign Grace churches or any group of churches. It's not primarily about polity or governance or rules or committees. No, no. Look at the words. It's about affection and, and generosity and joy. And I love you. I'm for you. We, we want to see everybody succeed. It's big-hearted and gracious. It's profoundly relational. And so right up front, we see in those opening verses just the beauty of partnership. What a beautiful thing it is before the Lord. And Paul wants the Corinthians to be motivated by it, but he wants us to be motivated by it. To realize there's a big world out there. There's more than just our local church. And it's a beautiful thing when we treasure them in our hearts. And you can wonder then, well, why do people do that? How does that happen? What happens in people's hearts, the heart of the church, that causes the church to want to think about other churches? Well, that's what he talks to us about in verse 9, namely the basis of our partnership, which is my second point. And this is what he says in verse 9. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. He says right up front, listen, you know the grace of Christ. He's a typical preacher. He doesn't say, you know it, so I won't tell you any more about it. He says, you know it, and then he goes on to tell them about it. You know the grace of Christ, and he reminds them then, listen, you know about this. Jesus Christ was rich with all the treasures of heaven. The King of kings and Lord of lords, he was rich as the firstborn of all creation. He was rich as the supreme one who is above all things and before all things and through all things. He is high and lifted up. Before time even began, he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he has it all. He is rich beyond your wildest dreams. He is the Prince of heaven. Yet he became poor. He was born into poverty. He had nowhere to lay his head. He was despised and rejected. He was slandered and persecuted. He, no one esteemed him ever. And yet he humbled himself to become obedient even to the point of death on an old rugged cross. Why? So that you and I, by his poverty, might become rich in the abundance of his grace. For what gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now. To give. Jesus Christ didn't have to come after us at all. He was rich beyond your wildest dreams, and yet he became poor. He was born through the birth canal of a Virgin Mary. He lived an incredibly difficult life, even to the point of the death on the cross. He, became, he went from his riches to poverty. Why? So that you can become rich in his grace. So that you can be forgiven of your sin and redeemed and adopted into the family of God and know that heaven is your home. He who is rich became poor for us so that we might become rich in his abounding grace. What is it then that creates and compels in the heart of a church a desire to sacrifice for other churches? Paul tells us, it's verse 9. It is the self-giving sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's what motivates churches to have a passion and desire to serve churches beyond their walls. See, so often that verse is used to encourage people in personal giving. And I think there's a place for that. But you have to understand the context here is not about personal giving. The context here is corporate partnership. 
The context here is about churches having a vision beyond their own walls for other churches, a desire to sacrifice for other churches, a desire to serve other churches. Listen, the deeper we go in our understanding of what Jesus Christ has done for us, the more His grace will inevitably overflow in our lives and the lives of our churches to want to see others beyond our walls and want to care for them. See, when it comes to sending out finances and when it comes to sending out people and when it comes to sending out support, it does indeed cost, does it not? It's hard. There are difficult things. When Sovereign Grace Church, Warunga sent out Sovereign Grace Church Paramata, um, we were all excited before they left. And then the week after they left, we were totally gutted. Because the whole left in our church was the knot. Paramount didn't experience this. They're just in another church going, isn't this exciting? We did. We have a sense of loss, a sacrifice in what takes place. You also realize as a church you're way poorer for it because a lot of your good givers just went and you're like, how are we going to function? Some of your good leaders have gone. In our case, three quarters of the band left. That was so unfair. (laughs) It's the sacrifice involved in sending out others. And listen, church, for both of our churches, we'll be doing it again. And again, we're going to have to get ready in our hearts for that type of sacrifice. Why do we want to do that? What is it that can cultivate in our hearts a desire to keep doing that again? When we know it's quite painful and actually quite difficult, there's only one thing that will motivate us to keep doing it. It is the self-giving sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And the reality that he who was rich became poor from me. And so how dare we as a local church just keep everything in? No, we need to be generous with what we have. Because that's exactly what Jesus Christ has done for us as a local church. Daryl Bach says it this way. He says, God loves churches that look beyond their own needs. Isn't that wonderful? I think it's true. When you examine all the partnerships that you examine in Scripture, and when you see them, you realize God fans that into flame. He smiles on that. There's blessing attached to that. He loves it when churches are not just sitting by themselves, but they're thinking about others. And you know, for us as Sovereign Grace Churches Australia, we don't just want to keep it just Sovereign Grace Churches Australia either, do we? You know, for myself and Riley and Brendan, particularly over the last few years, we've started to invest in in other ministries in Australia. And Riley and I actually went to a a denominational meeting. We got invited. I have no idea why we got invited. There was like all the key denominations there. Baptist Church, a thousand churches. Oh, great. Anglicans, yeah, like 2,000. There's just loads of people. Sovereign Grace, I get up. I get up to represent us. Like, how many churches? Two. (laughs) I don't know why we were invited, but we did get invited. But, you know, it was just really neat to start partnering with other churches. And they didn't care less about numbers. But just start to be in a room with others and be talking about this. Reach Australia. Brendan and Riley went to their conference recently. We gave $4,000 as a family of churches just to bless them. Help them. We're cheering you on in what you're doing. We're looking for opportunities outside of ourselves. We don't want to build something that thinks we're better than everybody else because we're not. It's going to take many, many families of churches to reach Australia for Jesus Christ. You know, if we were McDonald's, not everybody likes McDonald's, you know. It takes Hungry Jacks and Dominoes and things like that to feed a nation. So we're not trying to build something where we think, hey, we're better than everybody else. We ain't. We're just part of a choir. But at the same time, you can't spread yourself so thin that you end up with nothing really left. We've got to build here and take responsibility for what God's calling us to. 
and what we're building for his glory and by his grace. And the basis of partnership is what Jesus Christ has done for us. And we want to be big hide towards going again and playing our part and making a difference in this country of Australia. And there are benefits to it. And the Apostle Paul wants to help us see those. And that's the third point, the benefits of partnership. See, there's no doubt when we partner with other churches, there is sacrifice involved, like when they take your band and things like that. And this is just a public announcement to Paramount. Any time you want to come back, you're welcome. We'll buy you a Warunga t-shirt, no problem at all. It is painful to send people out, but there are benefits. And joking aside, from the Warunga perspective to you guys in Parramatta, we are so proud and thrilled with what you're doing. The way God is blessing you, the way you are serving. Um, Riley tells me about different things you're doing. And he says, would you and Brenda do that? And I'm like, no way, that sounds far too hard. And, but we are cheering you on. We are proud of you. And remember those early days of church planting. And you've done it in the midst of COVID. I mean, you have my deepest respect. You planned a church, you're excited, and then COVID hits. And oh no, and then it lasts seemingly forever. And, but the Lord's grown your church. There are so many faces here that our guys in Wurunga don't know that you're meeting. That's just an expression of God's kindness and your hard work. There is sacrifice in going, but there are also benefits in going, and there are benefits of working together. In verse 10, Paul says, this benefits you. In verse 23, Titus is described as a fellow worker for their benefit. He's helping us see, listen, there is sacrifice involved in partnership, but there is major benefit involved in partnering with other churches. See, in the last letter that Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, he says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To every individual member of the body of Christ, everybody has a gift. It's one of the things I love about these types of events because you kind of see it at play, do you not? I mean, look at this. I was looking at this this morning. This is beautiful. I couldn't do this. I've got no gift in this. It's just a disaster. There's snacks, there's chocolate with sovereign grace wrappers on it. It's amazing. But I wouldn't have even thought to bring snacks in. And like the, the lanyards that you've got on, they're amazing. Somebody's used their gift to design these things and enjoy it. Richie's been using his gift of administration, even with the piano playing in the background. He's been using his gift of administration to help organize things together and take a place. We've been led by a band in singing. People that have gifts and abilities. We're here in preaching and teaching. We're enjoying fellowship. We're enjoying food that's been prepared. One of the things I love about this, you start to see everybody has a gift. They all have different gifts. We're so much stronger when we're together. And yet what you discover as the book of Corinthians goes on is some of those gifts that God gives to the church are not just gifts that he gives into somebody. The gifts are actually people. They're actually people that have been set apart for extra local ministry. That God has actually deliberately raised them, not to be people just thinking about their own church, but he's deliberately raised them to help in other churches as well. And then we all benefit. Exhibit A is Titus. Look at verse 16 and 17. It says, But thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. Titus then has been trained by the Apostle Paul, and Titus has been given a gift from the Lord. He has given a heart for many churches. 
He really loves them. And Paul's saying, hey, listen, Titus is going to come visit, and that's a good thing because he has a heart for you. He really loves you just like I do. He's bothered about you. He wants to seek your welfare. He wants to come for your good to seek to help you. He, he carries you in his heart. Well, that's a benefit, is it not? And I think in Sovereign Grace Churches, we experience that. Just this year, we had Andy Farmer out from another Sovereign Grace Church. Were we not blessed by his ministry? We're blessed as he came to service and he came to help us in understanding mental health and how that works. He trained our leaders. He got with us all. He served in the church on the Sunday morning. For us as pastors, he was with us all week, just seeking the input into our lives to sharpen us in this area of ministry. And he wasn't just coming to like do a job. He didn't get paid to come here. He wanted to come here to try and bless us. And here's what happens. When a guy goes back, he then starts texting you every month. How are the people? How are they? He starts to mention different names. Why is that? Because he actually carries you in his heart. Mark Prater we had out just three years ago, didn't we? In this room. Carries you in his heart. Rich Richardson's been out. Eric Tibetsky. They're all men that carry you in their hearts. I can guarantee to you, if we walked into challenges, any one of those men would be on the next plane over to seek to help us. That's partnership. We're not alone. We're not just by ourselves. Three years ago, we had the Covenant Fellowship Prophecy Team out. Men and women that are being used in their local church, but how blessed were we by their ministry and the gifts that God is using them in. And I know for many of you guys that are exploring prophecy and healing and that sort of stuff, you've been trained by these guys for the last three years. You've had mentoring sessions. Again, they didn't get paid for this. But they start to carry other people in their hearts. Listen, this benefits you, does it not? Partnership isn't just one way. You realize we're benefiting a ton by being related to others. I thought that, that um, wonderful stuff that Jeff Perswell just talked to us about on that video. Do you really want Brendan and I on the back of a crisp packet writing the statement of faith? You do not. <laughs> but praise God, there are others in the wider Sovereign Grace family that are extremely bright, extremely godly, and then can lead all the pastors through a seven-year process to come with what you have in your hand. That's the benefits of partnership. You're isolated. You're doing everything yourself. Well, welcome to family. We get to enjoy other people's gifts. Exhibit A is Titus. And then in verse 18 and 19, we have an unnamed brother. Why is he unnamed? I have no idea. If I was writing a commentary, it might have 10 pages, but I'm just going to give you, I have no idea. But this is what it says about the unnamed brother in verses 18 and 19. It says, with him, i.e. Titus, we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our good will. We don't know this guy's name, but we do know a couple of things about him. We know that he is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. He would be a, clearly a gifted preacher and his gifted preacher of unpacking the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And secondarily, we know that he has been appointed by the churches to labor on behalf of the churches for their common good and partnership. It's a guy that somehow is being employed in an extra local capacity for the glory of God. And his point is, listen, this guy, as he comes to you, is going to benefit you. You're going to be able to enjoy his gift. 
You're going to be able to enjoy his preaching and you're going to have the joy, verse 23, of sending him on his way, of praying for him, of committing him to others and sending him out to serve and bless other churches. It's the gift of partnership. And this benefits you. Once again, I think of men like Andy Farmer and Rich and Mark Prater. When they come here, every time they leave, when you drop them off at the airport, they're like, man, I would come again. I feel like I serve not at all, but I feel so blessed by all of you. That's the gift of partnership. When men come us, it isn't just one way. We're blessing them and supporting them and praying for them and cheering them on. They feel spurred on their faith because of what's happening in Australia. And so we send them out. We send them back, strengthened in the faith, to go do their thing somewhere else. And go serve the Lord somewhere else and make a difference in some other pocket of the world. I think of men like Doug Hayes, recently working with him with Covenant Mercies and the project in Liberia. You know, if we weren't partnered to anybody, there is no Doug Hayes. So we ain't given to some Covenant Mercies thing in Liberia, which is actually a church that we're related to. That ain't happening. But through Doug Hayes and through his gift, he's going across all our churches and saying, listen, here's some needs. Here's some opportunities. Here's how you can get involved. Now we're partnering with a church in Liberia. And caring for them and cheering them on. They're praying for us this weekend. Just to try and commit us to the Lord. Having a great time. That's the joys of partnership. It benefits us. Jared Mellinger, the lead pastor of Covenant Fellowship Church, says it this way. He says, we need to be aware of and celebrate the irreplaceable benefits of partnership. Because this benefits you. Partnership means we have others who care about us. And we experience the blessing of extra local leadership. It provides belonging and accountability. It provides greater stability and increased opportunities for mission. And it means we get to be a part of building something so much larger than our church. And this benefits you. And so it does. There is great beauty in partnership and it is based all on the finished work of Jesus Christ. But it does indeed benefit you. That's why I'd never want us to be a family of churches here in Australia that go, you know what, I don't fancy coming to retreat. I don't really understand the point. I'm telling you the point right now. <laughs> this benefits you. It benefits you. We're so much stronger together. We can do so much more when we're together. This benefits all of us. And we're doing, I think, as we gather what the Lord has called us to do. See, for some 40 years now, Sovereign Grace Churches has always valued partnership, and I'm so grateful for that. And the reason they have is because, as biblically defined, joyful partnership is God's great plan for the church. There are no independent churches in the New Testament. There are interdependent churches. Churches that are interdependent in mission, in fellowship, and support. And for us here in Australia, that's the opportunity and chance we have to do the same to build churches here in our country that are interdependent, that are great affections for one another, that are generous with one another, that care for one another, that are building with one another, that are ready to sacrifice for one another. You know, in California, they have there some trees that are huge redwood trees. They are some of the largest things on earth. They're actually the tallest trees in the world. Some of them grow up to 300 feet high. Some of them are over 2,000 years old. If you've ever seen pictures of them, some of them are so big that they carve out hollows so that roads can go through them. These things are massive. And you would assume that when you see these trees, the root system might, must also be massive. It must go down like miles. 
But actually, when you study these trees, their roots are actually incredibly shallow. And so you think, so how do they stay up? Well, the way they stay up is although they have shallow roots, all their roots reach out to the other trees. They cling together. And so when the wind comes and the challenges come, they're solid as a rock, not because they're deep, but because they're interdependent. They hold on to each other and they're stronger and can grow more and more fruitful because their roots intertwine. My friends, that's what partnership is all about. It's about intertwining our lives. Yes, we have autonomous churches. Yes, there are things that are different. There should be. But when it comes to partnership in the gospel, we stand side by side, realizing we're so much stronger together. Partnership is a beautiful thing. And it comes with many, many benefits for each and every one of our churches. And it comes with a basis. The reality that Jesus Christ, who was rich, became poor for us. So that in our poverty, we may become rich and may be a blessing to others. My friends, would that be the story of Sovereign Grace Churches Australia? Not for our name. You can go ahead and erase that out, just like the unnamed guy in verse 18 and 19. But may we never erase the name of Jesus. May it always be about his name. And may he receive all the glory. Let's pray. Lord, I do thank you that that you've called us together. Lord, I never want us to grow familiar by the reality that we were lost and we were dead in our transgressions and sins. We were running far from you. Lord, may we start this entire retreat with that in mind. We do not deserve to be here. And yet you called our names. You saved us by your grace. You pulled us together into local churches and you've called us to work together for our benefit and your glory. So Lord, would that be our story? Would we gather around the cross and would we give our lives to partnership? In your precious name, amen.